baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You're listening to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm Heather Vale, and today I'm speaking with Tim Ballard, founder of Operation Underground Railroad, or OUR. Since 2013, OUR has supported thousands of human trafficking survivors, operations, and rescue efforts. July 30th is World Day Against Trafficking and the day for OUR's Rise Up for Children awareness campaign. Tim spent over a decade working as a special agent for the Department of Homeland Security, where he was assigned to the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. He worked every type of case imaginable in the fight to dismantle child trafficking rings, and this work led to the founding of Operation Underground Railroad. Tim, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Heather, for having me. So why did you decide to start OUR instead of continuing with Homeland Security? It really was a combination of, of things. It, it was personal to, to start with. I, had, I was working a few cases, uh, one in Colombia and one in Haiti, where I got to know the, the, the players, the, the law enforcement. We, we found organizations that were trafficking children. In one case, I was talking to a father who had lost his son in Haiti. And it became apparent as I began this very emotional case of children who had been kidnapped and trafficked that there was no nexus to the United States. In other words, there, there was no... I thought there was a connection to the U.S., in other words, that it could end in a U.S. courtroom. But uh, as it turned out, it was deemed not a U.S. case. And I thought, this is crazy. I, in one of the cases, I'd made myself the bait. I mean, I was, I was the guy with the relationship with the, uh, with the bad guys. So to, to begin with, in 2013, when I started this, it was just to do two cases uh, to help find this little boy and, and to do this operation in, in Colombia. Um, both of those were, were, were very successful. We didn't find the little boy, but we ended up rescuing uh, 26 children who were being trafficked and sold, two of which my wife and I ended up adopting. Wow. And the case in Colombia ended up being one of the largest rescue operations in history in, in this small window of time. Within about three hours, we had over 100 uh, rescues. And, and you know, that was kind of the limit of my vision at first. Just I've got to do these cases because I made promises. And then once those were successful, then we started getting uh, more invites. Can you do this in our country? Can you do this here? And we, eventually, we ended up circling back into the United States, and now we, we've worked in every state in the United States, and now we're about eight eight years old, and we've participated in over 5,000 rescues and thousands of, of arrests, so it's it's it turned into something big. <laughs> so on what level does the organization get involved? Are you like on the front lines, like right out there, the ones crashing through the doors and taking the children to safety, or is it more of a hands-off helping the pieces come together? So both, really. In, in the United States, for example, what we do here is training capacity. Uh, we, we provide equipment. We provide uh, uh, canines that, that, for example, we train and deploy canines with a partner organization that's, that sniffs out digital media, like SD cards that child pornographers will, will, will hide in their you know, homes and, and they just these dogs sniff it out. Um, but in other countries, we do the same. We'll provide these technologies and trainings, but then oftentimes they'll ask us, will you please 
um, you know, most of my my uh, operators, they've been former law enforcement, undercover operators. And so oftentimes they will uh, ask us, will you go undercover? Will you will you be the guy that's that, that, that leads out and, and infiltrates this ring? Um, the United States, we're the largest consumers almost every year of child exploitation material, uh, child rape videos. Uh, and so that makes us, we are what the traffickers are looking for in foreign countries. They know that. And so because of how we look, we're Western looking folks, you know, we can, we can deploy and infiltrate pretty quick. And on behalf of law enforcement, we, we are not law enforcement. We don't carry badges. We don't have arrest authority. Uh, so everything we do is in support of law enforcement and, and in support of aftercare services. But that does put us in a place where we are in the action, you know, and, and we are, you know, uh, sometimes they ask us, we just, I just hit a house um, in Ecuador uh, that was, had two uh, alleged pedophiles uh, this, a few weeks ago. Um, and these guys were, were uh, allegedly raining just havoc and terror on this little village in, in Ecuador. They're from uh, Europe and they were, uh, uh, you know, they, they were pr- producing, uh, possessing child exploitation material and also allegedly exploiting these children. And we supported that case all the way to the very end. And they even had us outside the house and asked us to come in after they went in, you know, after they broke the doors and we come behind uh, and had our digital forensic people. We start doing the analysis on the computers, helping with interviews. So, yeah, sometimes we get right in the action. Wow. So when you're talking about the child exploitation videos, are you saying the USA is the biggest producer of that child porn or the biggest consumer of that child porn? So we, we have been both sometimes. Generally, we're always, almost always the number one or one or one or two in, in the consumption of it. But also, we're pretty high in the production side. Uh, we're in the top three countries for destination countries for human trafficking. Um, people want to get the kids in, in our markets because the, it's it's a higher price. You know, it's it's supply and demand. And if they can get the kids here and the, the, the pedophile doesn't have to travel, then, of course, it's that's what they're trying to do. So. Uh, so yeah, we we we're a big part of the problem in this country. How bad is the child trafficking situation in the USA and also specifically in Nevada because that's where the listeners are? It's bad. I mean, it is it is absolutely everywhere. We we have a documentary coming out called "It's Happening Right Here," uh, because people always think, "Oh, you guys must just work foreign. It's just far, far away." No, it's 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 right here, and we answered the question. Uh, with the documentary that it is in fact happening right here it 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 has a different face than it does other places you know it's it's not always like the the white van that comes out and kidnaps the kids in fact rarely is it is it that in fact mostly it's kids who are online that don't understand the dangers pedophiles predators are there hunting them down luring them out sending them messages getting them to send naked pictures of themselves and then that's kind of where it spins out we also have cases of the Romeo traffickers where, you know, and, and this happens in, in, in any place. There's no, there's no economic divide that would, you know, pr- protect somebody because they're in a more affluent neighborhood or, or with a family. These Romeo traffickers are, are the kind that can get to really, it, it doesn't matter because it's any, any person that becomes vulnerable to romance, to a fake romance. Um, you know, when I'm referring, you know, oftentimes I want to clarify, oftentimes because of someone, someone's super vulnerable because of their economic condition, they're vulnerable because they're, they're impoverished or, and they're more likely to be, you know, trafficked. Uh, they're, they, they're from an unstable family, they're foster kids. You see a lot more of that. But with these Romeo traffickers, this is the boyfriend. This is the high school quarterback, right? Who, who dates you for two months and takes naked pictures or sex videos with, with this 15 year old girl and then breaks up with her and says, Hey, 
I have your whole church congregation email list here. I have your grandma's email. I have, you know, the school's email list. And if you don't do what I tell you, which includes, you know, doing sexual services for my friends or whatever, then I'm going to share these videos. We've seen people, a young youth commit suicide or, you know, or, or for sure do what they're asking them to do. It's trafficking. You know, it's, it's a different form of trafficking. People don't understand, but it's, it's, it's every bit trafficking and it leads to just devastation. Um, and so these are things people need to be aware of, especially in the United States, which is why we put out that documentary. And it's something we will talk about on July 30th at the, at the World Day Against Trafficking as well. Okay, so let's clarify a little bit because, you know, a lot of us have no clue that this stuff is going on. Like, it seems completely foreign. But some of what you're describing sounds like what I would call porn or rape even. But when I think trafficking, and this might be a misconception, but when I think trafficking, I think of kidnapping a child and forcing them into a child or, you know, doesn't have to be a child, but in this specific instance, kidnapping someone and forcing them into sexual servitude. So forcing them to be a prostitute or, or what have you. Sure. What are the different forms of trafficking? If you can kind of break it down in a nutshell so that we can understand. It is confusing and there's different terms and so forth. So, so trafficking by a legal definition requires some kind of a commercial exchange. So it's, it, this, this is, when you when you're taking somebody and actually and selling them selling their bodies either for sex for organ harvesting or for labor, um, so th that that would be considered trafficking. So technically, our tagline, you know, what we our mission statement is we we include human trafficking and exploitation, because exploitation doesn't necessarily require that that exchange of money. It could be someone who's just trying to rape your, your child or rape a woman, right? And they're using different tactics to do that. So we, we fight both sides of it. And oftentimes it's very interchangeable. Someone who's exploiting someone eventually might make money off it. And then boom, now it's, now it's a trafficking case. And it's important that you ask that question because so many people, it's, it's, it's usually pretty narrowly defined and they don't realize, you know, it, it's, it's, it's not that narrow. It shouldn't be narrowly defined as Trafficking at different faces in different places, we, we, we say, you know, and, and one of the worst problems in the United States, at least, trying to fight this through awareness, is if they don't, if people don't see the van and the kidnap and the cold take, you know, like the movie Taken or something, then they don't think that's, then they feel this false sense of security when in fact their child could be exploited, soon to be trafficked in the next room, and they have no idea, they have no idea how dangerous it is, for example, that they're letting their kid have unfettered access to the internet without any controls. Yeah. So what kind of controls should we as parents be putting in place? So there, there's plenty of tools out there that people, for example, parents can track the, the, the movement of their kids online. They can get emails sent to them through their service provider, you know, telling them reports where your kid's going on online. The most important thing is for parents really just to know what's on the kid's device. For example, there's games like even, or even, devices even like playstation like fortnite i've had friends i've seen cases where you know parents have no idea their kids their 13 year olds playing fortnite and they have no idea there's a communication board and they think they're playing or talking to someone who's a 13 year old kid you know in another country when in fact it's a 60 year old pedophile in the next county you know mm -hmm. and preying on your kid and so for parents parents need to know everything about every app every game that their kid has access to uh, because there's this, you know, most parents, at least if you're my age or older, we didn't even have the internet when we were, you know, going through those strange, difficult times of adolescence, right? I mean, we yeah. didn't even have the internet, so we don't have perspective 
of the dangers there. We can teach them about bullies and, and how to drive a car and, and, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend messes. We can, we've been there, but we haven't been in this most dangerous place. And so because of that, that generation gap, that education gap, uh, kids are being more um, vulnerable and without the proper protection from parents or, or guardians. Yeah, you know, speaking of that, you've mentioned the white van a couple of times. And when we were kids, that's what we were taught in school. Don't go near the white van. Don't take candy from strangers. They're going to lure you in. And that was basically the entirety of the stranger danger that we were taught. Now, obviously, that's not the world that we live in today. So what are kids being taught as far as how to avoid things? Does it all come back to the parents? They're not being taught this in school. They're not being taught. They're not being taught in school as much as they they should be. That's for sure. There there are some programs out there. Um, the, the the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has excellent programs. We have programs, education programs, but really it has to be on the parents and the guardians because the schools I think are you know they're very overwhelmed with things they have to teach already and uh, and so I I would say the parents need to just really educate themselves. You know, come to OURrescue.org or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. There's there's several great programs out there, and just learn everything there is to learn about how bad guys are accessing our children. You know, when, when you look at the whole scheme of this, the whole big picture of, of human trafficking, child exploitation, I mean, th- this is billions of dollars that, that are made every year in this industry. This is not some peripheral thing. And oftentimes I think we trick ourselves into thinking it is, that it can't happen to us. It can't happen to, to, in my home. And, and in fact, it can, and, and it is happening. And we, the parents, you know, they're, they're the first lines of defense. And we're here to support that, that, that effort, which is why we provide these resources. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about the Rise Up for Children event that's happening next Saturday. What exactly is that all about? So the World Day Against Human Trafficking is July 30th, and we commemorate that every year. Uh, We have a big uh, concert in in some location this year. It's at Rio Tinto Stadium in Salt Lake City, beautiful stadium. Um, We have performers. It's a concert, uh, people speaking, um, and and, and it's getting loud, getting loud for children. It's, It's all about getting people really aware that there's this issue, that it exists. And the louder we get, we think the more kids get, get rescued in the end. So we, we really encourage people to come, get tickets, come, come to the uh, Rio Tino Stadium next week, July 30th. Okay, how do they get tickets to that event? Um, if they just go to our, our website, it's right on the front there, OURrescue.org, and they can pick up the, their, their tickets there. Okay. And you mentioned some of the resources that are also available on the website, OURrescue.org. Give us a little bit more rundown about what kind of resources, tools, information, maybe even opportunities for people to volunteer, get involved somehow, donate, what have you. Sure. So when you go to our website, OURrescue.org, buy your tickets and then and then click on the, thing, the, the button that says join the fight. And on there, you can learn all about everything you can do from, from education to putting on your own education programs to doing events, awareness events, fundraising events, and, and, and lots of opportunities for, for, for volunteering as well. And again, we will, we'll be talking about all that and you'll have, people will get to meet our team at, at Rio Tinto next, next uh, Saturday. The uh, national country artist Ray Lynn will be there. Yellowstone's uh, actor Denim Richards is going to be the host of the whole event. Uh, Matt and Savannah Shaw are going to be uh, musical artists as well. So, and we have other uh, other VIPs that are going to show up and 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 present as well. So, the best place to go is the website or to the event, and you'll you'll learn everything you want to learn about 
how to get involved, how to protect your kids and how to join the fight against human trafficking and child exploitation. Okay, fantastic. So once again, OURrescue.org is the website. You can get tickets there to next Saturday's event. It's July 30th in Salt Lake City at Rio Tinto. Or you can also click on Join the Fight and find out more information about how to protect your kids, find out about the trafficking that's going on right under our noses, and how you can make a difference, how you can protect kids, and how you can get involved as well. Tim, I want to thank you so much for being here and shedding light on this situation because, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of us are just completely unaware that such things are happening right here, right in our backyards, right in our homes even. So I really appreciate you being here and letting everyone know about it and letting them know how they can get further resources. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Before I was adopted, I felt like felt like my life was already over. My biggest fear was that I would age out and not know how to be sufficient on my own. At a certain age, like, they don't want you, you're troubled and stuff. The clock is ticking for the more than 125,000 kids waiting to be adopted from foster care. Help the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption prevent them from aging out without a permanent family. Learn more at DaveThomasFoundation.org. This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and I'm Heather Vale. Joining me today is Makia Macaluso, owner of Togo's Sandwiches in Las Vegas, which is on Rainbow Boulevard at Sunset. Throughout July, Togo's is holding their first annual back-to-school supply drive to support Project 150. This nonprofit provides support and services to homeless, displaced, and disadvantaged high school students so they can remain in school, graduate, and build bright futures. Makia, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, you're welcome. It's an honor to be here. So why exactly did you decide to hold a fundraising and supply drive to support Project 150? Um, well, I've been a supporter of Project 150 for a few years now with my other businesses. Um, I am a realtor here in Las Vegas as well. So we have been supporting Project 150 because of the amazing work they do. You know, they help the homeless teenagers here. And a lot of times it's not those kids' fault, you know. So they're able to help them with, you know, with food and clothing and all those different resources. So that's why we help them because they're helping the kids that, in my opinion, it's not their fault. And they just really need to know that, you know, this is temporary. There's mm -hmm. something more out there than their current situation. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful work that they're doing. So what are the specifics of the fundraising and supply drive? What can customers do and what happens in return? So um, like you said, from now until the end of July, if they bring in any hygiene items or school supplies as a thank you for supporting Project 150, we will give them a free sandwich upgrade, which is a regular size drink and a uh, bag of chips to go along with their purchase. And then if they mention the code 150, 15% of their purchase will go towards that organization as well. So they can also support in that way. And then at the end of July, we are going to match whatever it is that we raise up to $2,500. So, you know, it's a great way for everyone in the community to get together and, and support this organization. Like I said, we'll match whatever it is that we raise. Yeah. That's awesome. So what are the shop hours so that people know that they're coming when you're open to bring the supplies? 
Yeah, we're open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. And Saturday and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay. And what if they decide to order online? They can order online at togoslasvegas.com or either togoslasvegascatering.com. And they just use the discount code 150 for either of those. Okay. And then that will, again, give the 15% to Project 150? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Are there specific hygiene and school supplies that they're looking for, or is it pretty much just anything? I mean, right now they need anything from toothbrushes to sanitizers. So the school supplies will definitely help because they need papers, glues, pencils. I mean, even backpacks, whatever it is that the community is willing to to bring in, they need it. I mean, it won't go to waste. Yeah, that's fantastic. Okay, so togoslasvegas.com is the place to go, whether you want to order online. If you do order online, use discount code 150, or you can also find the actual address there, which is at the corner of Rainbow and Sunset. But throughout the month of July, so we've got another week left, if you go to Togo Sandwiches, be sure to bring in school supplies or hygiene items to donate to Project 150. And when you do that, they're giving you a free sandwich upgrade to the meal. Also, don't forget to mention code 150 and then 15% goes to Project 150. And if you're ordering online as well, it's the same code, discount code 150. Okay, Makia, did I leave out any details or is that pretty much it? <laughs> That's pretty much it. You know, we, I just want to thank everyone in the community who's already um, stopped by and who's donated um, items or even mentioned that code. Um, like I said, every little bit counts. Um, you can find out more about Project 150 and the work that they do by going to project150.org. Um, it's an amazing organization. They, they do so much throughout the year for the community. There's volunteer opportunities and um, just different things to, to that you guys can do to help support the homeless teens here in Las Vegas, because it really is a big problem. Yeah, it's great that there's organizations like this that are helping those kids because their education is the only future they have right now. If they're living on the streets and they don't have that home support system, you know, they need every bit of help they can get to go through their education process and have a bright future. Yeah, you know, they shouldn't have to worry about where they're gonna sleep, how are they gonna eat, how are they gonna get the necessities that they need. So like I said, I can't say enough about this organization. I know there's a lot of them out there, but personally I've been involved with this one for some years now, so I know they truly do what they say. Awesome. So once again, project150.org, if you want to find out more information about Project 150, if you want to volunteer for them, donate, project150.org. And take advantage of the July fundraiser going on right now, the Back to School Supply Drive in support of 150 that Makia has going on at Togo Sandwiches. All you have to do is bring in school supplies or hygiene supplies. You get a free sandwich upgrade. And if you mention code 150, either in-store or online, that's an extra 15% going to Project 150. Makia, thank you so much for being here, letting everyone know about the promotion and for the work that you do in helping Project 150. It's much appreciated, and thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. When a student lacks some of the most basic needs... 
like food, clothing, and school supplies. It can be challenging to even attend to school. It can be hard to study, tough to concentrate, impossible to thrive. At Communities in Schools, we address this issue every day. Out in the community, there are great resources for students, and we bring these resources directly to the students who need them most. We work to ensure that they have everything they need to re-engage in learning in the classroom and at home. Including access to technology, learning materials, and even emotional support. By forging caring relationships with students and bringing communities of support to them. Our staff works to achieve equitable learning conditions so all kids can succeed in school and in life. And that's what Communities in Schools is all about. To learn more, visit communitiesinschools.org. This is the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and I'm your host, Heather Vale. Today I'm speaking with Elise Pearson, Director of Development for the Special Olympics of Nevada, or SONV. The nonprofit SONV is dedicated to enriching the lives of children and adults with intellectual disabilities through sports, education, leadership, and athlete health. They offer free year-round training and competition programs for almost 2,700 athletes who compete in more than 14 competitions in seven sports annually. They have an upcoming Bowl for the Gold fundraiser that will help support SONV programs for individuals with intellectual disabilities. And Elise is in charge of developing corporate partners, individual donors, and foundations to financially support the organization, including managing SONV's partnership with local law enforcement agencies participating in the Law Enforcement Torch Run. Elise, thank you so much for being here today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. When exactly was Special Olympics Nevada created? Oh, goodness. Like... 50 years ago. <laughs> Special Olympics International had their um, 50th anniversary back in 2019. Wow, that's a very established organization. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been around for a while. I think here in Nevada, we've been around for about 30 years. Okay. And how often are the games held? So uh, prior to that little thing of the pandemic, we had a summer games competition, which was held annually every year in um, Reno. Uh, we are bringing it back here soon. Um, and we're also planning on introducing uh, annual games here in Southern Nevada as well. So we'll be able to have summer in Reno and uh, fall here in the Vegas Valley. Okay. And during the rest of the year, what are the programs going on for the athletes? Oh, goodness. So many. So uh, we offer free year-round sports training and competition. So while we have the big annual games where we bring all of our athletes together from around the state, uh, we have the, you know, the seven sports where they have uh, regional competitions. So athletes up in Northern Nevada and Elko, Reno, they'll compete and then Era, our athletes here in Skeet, Las Vegas, Henderson, Pahrump, they all get together and compete in a regional competition for every sport. So, and on top of that, we also are in the Clark County Schools here in Southern Nevada with our Unified Championship School Program. We also have Healthy Athletes, which is one of my favorite parts of our programming. And we also have our Athlete Leadership Program, which is where we really help our athletes advocate for themselves. What is the Healthy Athletes Program? 
Healthy Athletes is super cool. So we offer free wellness and nutrition coaching as well as preventative screenings in a ton of different disciplines, which include mental health to podiatry to dental, uh, all across the spectrum. And so what we do is we have volunteer um, practitioners who are professionals in their field, whether it be dental or, um, you know, an optometrist or a physical therapist, and they go through a training, which helps them better provide these services to individuals with intellectual disabilities. And then we host health fairs where we bring in our community and we provide these free services to them in a comfortable, engaging way that they can really feel confident that their needs were met. What are the various sports that Special Olympics athletes can participate in? So right now we are in the middle of our bowling season, which is one of our most popular ones. So we have bowling, bocce, basketball. I'm going to go through the B's first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We also have uh, flag football, aquatics, track and field, and what am I missing? Golf. Golf, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we've got some traditional Olympic sports and some just fun stuff that we don't normally see in regular Olympics. Yeah, and so so we have Olympic style, but we always have the Olympic style competitions. We want to make sure that our competitions and our athletes, they're real athletes. They train as real athletes. They are athletic. So we try to make sure that even if it's like a flag football competition, it may not be an Olympic sport. However, it is an Olympic type experience for them. How much training does go into a competition like this? So let's say if someone wants to compete in the fall Special Olympics, how long do they train leading up to that? So training periods are six weeks where they are with their coaches and with their team or their unified partner. However, we have athletes that train all year round that like bowling, they're on bowling leagues and they're constantly training. Uh, One of my favorites is there's an athlete in Carson City who never makes his regional track and field qualifier because he's doing a marathon. So you have to use that time to qualify him for the regional competition. So uh, they're always training, but our training season before the big competitions are generally four to six weeks. Okay, nice. So tell us a little bit more about the Law Enforcement Torch Run. So the Law Enforcement Torch Run is the largest grassroots fundraising and public awareness campaign for Special Olympics internationally. And it's especially huge here in Nevada. So for a while, uh, it was kind of the only fundraising that we did here locally was through our law enforcement. And what it is, is we have law enforcement volunteers from a ton of, of like almost every agency here locally throughout the entire state. And they volunteer their time to help us fundraise to they get their agency to back a fundraiser. Henderson Police Department is our backing uh, agency for Bull for the Gold. It's right in their backyard, so it's natural for them. But yeah, they, they donate their time to do these special events for us. They also come out and they present awards and medals to our athletes, as well as provide, you know, like the honor guard. And they're just so integral and so supportive to our program here in Nevada. How exactly do these healthy sports programs help people with intellectual disabilities specifically? So that's a really tricky question. From my point of view, from what I've seen is I have seen athletes 
who were nonverbal participate in our programming. And now they are out public speaking and self-advocating. The mission here is, you know, not just to provide free sports and health programming, but to really show everyone that through inclusion and through inclusive sports that everyone has value. Everyone is valuable and everyone should be respected. And so that that is huge. And we just see this boost in confidence and not only from watching them accomplish a sport that they might have struggled at or been new to them, but they're also with their peers. And they get to compete with their peers and with their friends. And so just watching them grow as individuals has been amazing from my experience. But yeah, it's just been, we really want to show everyone the real value of of inclusion. And you know that everyone's special, everyone's important, and everyone should be treated with respect. And everyone has, you know, value. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It really clearly illustrates, it's not just about the physical. It's not just about the intellectual. It's a whole mind, body, spirit combination that makes us human beings. And when you nurture one of those, quite often the other ones come around as well. And we can't just treat people like they're only one thing because we're not only one thing, you know, we're well-rounded. Yeah, we're not defined, you know, how, you know, someone without an intellectual disability isn't defined by just, you know, one thing. And either yeah. are they. And that is, you know, the wall we want to break down because, you know, it is kind of generational. My generation, there was still that wall there. And we really want to go past that wall and take it even further. We want to, you know, end bullying. We want to, you know, improve the mental health of our um, individuals with disabilities and the community as a whole. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, you know, breaking down those walls and really presenting the human is just so rewarding and you know we present ourselves without disability as the humans you know and vice versa yeah yeah that's amazing that's really inspiring so tell us more about the bowl for the gold fundraiser what exactly is that so to be honest it's my favorite fundraiser don't tell my other ones that i run throughout the year but this is my favorite one <laughs> um it is super fun and i have to warn you we sold out the last two years so if you want to get in, you need to get in early. You need to get in now to make sure you get that spot. Uh, we are at August 20th. We are at Sunset Station in Henderson. Uh, we are lucky enough to have the Las Vegas Raiders and also Penta Building Group as sponsors for this event. There are still sponsorships available. So if anyone's interested in that thing, go to SOMB.org and get all the information. Uh, but what we do is you register a team of four or as an individual, and I build you into a team of four. And then I assign you a special Olympic athlete to compete on your team. So it's really the only opportunity I would ever have to bowl or compete with a gold medalist. So it is super fun. The athletes get a kick out of it. They are probably the best bowler on every team. (laughs) And uh, they they don't, they let you know too. They they tell you like, man, maybe I should bowl your ranks for you. So it's super fun. You get to not only have three games of bowling, shoes, food, drinks, um, but you also get to interact with that special Olympic athlete. And I, I try to make it a little more fun. I introduce games like I think every year I have a new game. Uh, last year we did bowling bingo. Uh, we also do a round of wacky bowls so, where you have to like bowl through <laughs> your legs or yell your favorite catchphrase. So it's always something, you know, fun. Sometimes we have raffles. Sometimes we have giveaways. It's just really one of the most fun kind of free spirited events that we're able to host. 
Okay, so there's four on the team, including the Special Olympics athlete, or four plus the Special Olympics athlete? So if you wanted to register, you would register your team with you and three others. So four total, and then each team, I ask an athlete to join the team to raise your score a little bit. Okay. And as you mentioned, bowling is one of their favorite Special Olympics sports, so obviously they're going to be pretty good at it. It's our most popular sport here in uh, Nevada followed by basketball. So uh, bowling is super, <laughs> uh, super popular. What do you think is so popular about bowling? Gosh, I don't know. I went bowling this weekend and I'm awful. So <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I don't know. So, but, you know, it, it's, it's inside one, you know, so it, it's the perfect sport here in Las Vegas to have during the summer. You know, you're inside, you're in the air conditioning, and it's a sport you can play on a team. It's a sport you can play individually. Uh, it's a sport that we offer unified, which is um, where you take an individual with a disability and one without, and they compete on a team together. Uh, so we bowling actually we have lots of different options. So yeah, it's, it's super popular. I, I don't get it because maybe I'm not good at it, but <laughs> everyone else loves it. Okay, so SONV.org. They can sign up for the Bowl for the Gold fundraiser, and it's going to be Saturday, August 20th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., and they can sign up either as individuals or sign up their whole team of four, either way, right? Yep, that's exactly right. Okay, and at that website, can people find out more information about Special Olympics of Nevada as well and maybe other ways that they can support the organization? Absolutely. So if you go to SONB.org and if you were to go to the Bowl for the Gold and register there, there's also a link to sign up as a volunteer for the event and to find more about sponsorship opportunities. If you're interested in doing something in northern or rural Nevada, we also have Bowl for the Gold events there coming up as well. And also you can find information on becoming a volunteer coach or a uh, mentor for athletes who are in the leadership program, or you can also sign up to be uh, just a day of volunteer in generally, or right there on the website, we also have athlete applications. If you have someone with an intellectual disability who's interested in participating as well. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you that. So that's awesome. So SONV.org, you can find out all the information or sign up for Bull for the Gold. You can volunteer for that event if you want to, or just volunteer in general for other events as well. And if you're an athlete who wants to get involved in Special Olympics, you can also find out more there and apply as an athlete. So again, Bull for the Gold is happening on Saturday, August 20th from 11 to 2 it's sold out in the past, so make sure you get registered early. And it's at the Strike Zone Bowling Center at Sunset Station. Yeah. All right, Elise, thank you so much for being here and letting everyone know about this. I hope you, obviously, you're going to sell it out again, but I hope you get a great turnout and ha- everyone has a lot of fun. And it's just, you know, it's such an amazing organization. So I love what you guys are doing. And thank you for sharing it with us today. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I love talking about Special Olympics. So anytime. Awesome. To some, the sound of a baby babbling doesn't mean much, but that's not true. They're testing out vowels and consonants and trying different sounds. And by 12 months, their babbling is beginning to take on meaning, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council.
Welcome to the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show. I'm your host, Heather Vale, and joining me today is Carly Casto, founding principal at Cactus Park Elementary. Cactus Park is a new free public charter school opening for the 2022-23 academic year, and it's a second school powered by the Pilot Ed Foundation. This innovative school will offer students a curriculum centered around mental health, social identity, academic excellence, and civil engagement, including an on-campus farm, food pantry, cactus garden, and more. Carly has been in education for 14 years and has taught fifth grade, middle school math, and served as an assistant principal in the Clark County School District. Carly, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. What makes Cactus Park Elementary a unique addition to the Valley? We definitely bring a different approach to education that I have not seen yet in our Valley. Um, part of that is you know, our models focus on social identity development, talking with students about, you know, their identity is a pretty unique thing that we offer. We also have a focus on civic engagement, which is meant to empower students in, you know, the way that they see themselves in the world around them and how they engage in the world around them. Um, and of course, you know, our model has found that when you have those two first things, the focus on identity and civic engagement, that the academic excellence comes even better as a result. So those are some things that definitely make us stand out, but we also have an on-campus farm, which is really unique for our valley here in Las Vegas. So having you know goats and chickens and desert tortoise on campus definitely makes us different too. Let's talk a little bit more about the farm. So goats, a tortoise, <laughs> what else is there going to be? Is it like, you know, full fields and you've got corn and wheat or what exactly is happening on the farm? Yeah. Uh, so two things. One is, you know, the farm and the animals. And then the other is the garden uh, where we'll have fruits, veggies, and even a hydroponics lab. So um, yeah, for the animal side of things, you know, the plan right now is to definitely have goats, chickens, and the tortoise. And, you know, we might be open to adding more animals in the future, but um, you know, it's just a way that students are able to apply the things that they learn in the classroom out in real life on the farm. And it also serves as a way to help support that mental health and, and social emotional wellness uh, side of our model as well. So, you know, sometimes when we're having a rough day, it can be really grounding to go out and collect the eggs or pet a chicken or, uh, you know, play with the goats. So that's something that, you know, is important to us too, that students have those opportunities. Okay, so you can get eggs from the chickens, you can get milk from the goats. What are the tortoises for? <laughs> so desert tortoises are, you know, a native species here. And they're just a really cool learning opportunity. Um, you can you can pet their shells too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's a good way for the kids to learn that animals can live to be super old because some of them are yes. like, you know like a hundred years old. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and I think you know kids know that animals don't judge them; that they're just happy to see them and. Even, you know, having the opportunity to read to an animal, a lot of times kids enjoy that because they don't feel like they have to perform quite as much. The pressure's not as 
you know, they don't, they don't feel pressured. They feel excited to do things like that. So it's just a, a creative way that allows a lot of things that you might see in a school to just look different and come to life in a different way. Nice. So tell us more about the food pantry. Is that food that comes from the farm? So some of it will be, yes. Our plan is to use our garden to uh, produce, you know, fruits and veggies that families can take, um, as well as the eggs. And we'll also, you know, we're also partnering with community partners to be able to provide additional food as well. Okay. What is the Pilot Ed Foundation? So the Pilot Ed Foundation is a coaching and consulting organization. They actually help support our sister school in Indianapolis, Bethel Park Elementary. And from there, the success that they found at that school is what led them to found the the Pilot Ed Foundation. So, you know, the goal is to continue to further this model and bring our identity curriculum into the hands of students across the country eventually. But, you know, right now we're in the beginning stages of that. And so they are, you know, supporting me and the team as we get this school up and running. So after spending so many years with CCSD, what made you want to be part of this new school? Yeah, good question. You know, as I went through my career in the district, my goal was always to increase my impact. So that's why I moved from elementary to middle. I wanted to have more students and why I moved into school leadership. I wanted to have more students. And um, what I started to find is that, you know, there's a lot of room in the charter world for innovation. And I, you know, was attracted to that. I wanted to be able to try these things that I had heard about or seen studies about that, you know, may or may not be part of the policy in the district, but that there's room to be able to do that in a charter school. That was really appealing to me. And that's one of the coolest things, you know, having uh, the ability to, to choose to do things a little bit differently um, and innovate is just really cool about the charter world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's opening a, a lot of doors and a lot of options. Why is it important for us to go beyond the old school model of standards of reading, writing, and arithmetic? And, you know, that was pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I could talk about this forever. <laughs> because <laughs> what I've seen, you know, in the past sometimes is that we get so focused on just reading and math and reading and math scores. And um, sometimes writing in there too, but, or a little bit of science, but, you know, I feel like I've seen that start to just wear down students and what they learn is how to take tests or how to be compliant. And sometimes you can run into trouble when students lose that spark, they lose that joy of learning and they lose their curiosity. And, you know, especially in childhood, it's so important to just nurture that. And, you know, that's part of why we, we try to have this whole child model so that it's not just like, hey, do your math, do your reading. Did you do your homework? But hey, let's talk about life. Let's talk about who you are as a person. Let's talk about identity. And let's not neglect, you know, your social emotional learning and your mental health and wellness and, you know, balance that, that there's more to life than just reading math and tests. 
So, you know, our, our old, old foundations of our education system were, you know, built in mind with factory workers and things like that in mind, you know, and things have Mm -hmm. changed. Our jobs have changed and it's important to be responsive to that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what grades will Cactus Park Elementary accommodate? So in our first year, we're starting with grades K through four. And in year two, we'll add fifth grade and be a full elementary school. Okay, so you're going back to elementary after moving from elementary to middle school so that you could impact more lives. So how will you now impact more lives with the elementary students? Yeah, I think, you know, it goes back to that broadening the, you know, just the reach, I guess, of of our curriculum and our programming. So I think in some of the work that I've done in the past, the focus has been a lot more on, you know, reading and math and now being able to facilitate coping strategies or proactive paths to teaching students how to look inside and say, who am I? And uh, what am I, what am I doing here? And, you know, how do I engage in the world around me? I think is just a really deep mission that just fires me up. And I think if everybody started with that, when they were in elementary school, the world would be a lot better place. It absolutely would. Those are some of the things that are missing in education. And, you know, often adults will find those things later in life, like they'll go into personal development and self-help studies. And it's like, wow, why didn't I learn this stuff in school? So, you know, it's really great to be giving kids a foundation when they should be getting the foundation when they are just young. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's a game changer. And what's interesting is that, you know, already we found that that actually leads to academic growth, right? Like if you imagine what it's like to be an elementary school student who shows up to school feeling understood and seen by their teacher and who feels like the things that they find important in their world outside of school are acknowledged and validated, then it's going to be a lot more fun and easy for them to engage in classroom content. Yeah. What about extracurricular activities? What kinds of clubs and programs can the kids look forward to? Yeah. So, you know, as a brand new school, we will already have our our farm and garden, of course, and our hydroponics. And as we continue to grow, we're looking to add, you know, sports and dance and Spanish classes and all sorts of different activities. We believe that that's part of providing a well-rounded education. We are building our our school with a full science lab too, so that our students will be able to do like cool science experiments with, with all of the lab equipment and, you know, exposing them to that kind of level of science early is important too. Nice. So where is the school located exactly? Yeah, so our address is 3115 Las Vegas Boulevard North. We're right on the corner of Las Vegas Boulevard and Pecos. Okay, and being a charter school, parents from all over the valley can apply to go there even if they're not quote-unquote zoned for that area? Yes, so the only requirement is that you're a resident of Clark County, Um, but you're exactly right. We don't have a zone other than that, so 
we do have families coming from all around the valley. And, you know, what I've found in talking with families is that some people, you know, say, hey, it's farther than, you know, the school my student has been going to, but it's worth it to me to have everything that you offer. So it's really cool to be able to have students from all over. Okay. So if parents are listening and they're interested, where can they find out more information or even apply to have their kids attend? Yeah. So great question. Our enrollment is free. Our, we're tuition free. And in order to attend, you just need to apply. Seats are first come, first serve. You can go to our website. It's pilotednevada.org. And uh, right there on the website, you can click our application and enroll right there. How many students do you expect to open with? We're looking to open with 350 students. Okay, so nice and small. Mm -hmm. So what kind of teacher-student ratio are you expecting to have? We are looking to have 27 students per class in each grade level. Okay. So once again, if you are interested in Cactus Park Elementary, it's going to be opening at the corner of Las Vegas Boulevard and Pecos for this school year. Tuition free, it's a charter school. And if you wanna find out more information or apply for your kids to attend K to four for the first year, pilotednevada.org is the website to go to, Pilot Ed Ed. Nevada spelled out nevada.org pilotednevada.org and Carly I want to thank you so much for being here and letting parents know about this new innovative school it sounds like it's a really fun place to go to school and probably a fun place to teach as well and I'm sure that a lot of parents are looking for this kind of opportunity so thank you for letting us know about it yes it's my pleasure I'm just excited to spread the word and I can't wait to open our doors to students soon Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Teachers shape the future. Right now, in a classroom somewhere in the United States, there's a teacher inspiring a future scientist who'll make preventing pandemics their life's work. Sharpening the mind of an aspiring environmentalist who'll help combat climate change. And generating possibilities for a student who'll be the first in their family to graduate college. Explore a career that leaves a legacy you can be proud of. Teach. Learn more and receive free support at teach.org. I'm Heather Vale with the Odyssey Las Vegas Public Affairs Show, and this is your community events calendar for nonprofit initiatives and charity events around the valley. Operation Underground Railroad, or OUR, is holding their annual Rise Up, Get Loud for Children concert on World Day Against Trafficking next Saturday, July 30th at 7 p.m., at the Rio Tinto Plaza Lawn in Sandy, Utah. Join MC Denim Richards from Yellowstone and headliner Ray Lynn from The Voice with special appearances by Alex Simon and Matt and Savannah. Find out all the details at OURrescue.org slash rise up and get 75% off your ticket price with the discount code freedom for all. That's OURrescue.org slash rise up and the discount code FREEDOM FOR ALL to get 75% off. Togo Sandwiches in Las Vegas on Rainbow Boulevard at Sunset is holding a fundraiser and supply drive for Project 150 until the end of the month. 
The organization helps homeless high school students so they can remain in school, graduate, and build bright futures. Bring in school and hygiene supplies to Togo's Sandwiches for Project 150 and get a free sandwich upgrade to a meal. Mention code 150 and 15% goes to Project 150. Online orders use discount code 150. Find the location details at togoslasvegas.com and more about Project 150 at project150.org. Monday's Dark with Mark Chinook is a bi-monthly musical fundraising party at The Space with each event raising 10k for a specific charity in 90 minutes. Upcoming shows include Monday, July 25th at 8pm, benefiting Sleep in Heavenly Peace, Monday, August 8th at 8pm, benefiting the Muscular Dystrophy Association's Fill the Boot campaign, and Monday, August 22nd at 8pm, benefiting Aiden's Army of Angels. Get tickets or find out more details at mondaysdark.com. Lace up your bowling shoes for the Bowl for the Gold fundraiser to support Special Olympics Nevada, or SONV. The games are happening Saturday, August 20th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Strike Zone Bowling Center at Sunset Station. Registration includes three games of bowling, food, and non-alcoholic beverages. SONV athletes will be on hand to play with each team. You can register as an individual for $55 or a team of four for $220. This event always sells out, so register now at SONV.org. That's S-O-N-V dot org. Clark County officials and the October 1 Memorial Committee are looking for ideas and proposals for a memorial project to honor victims of the October 1, 2017 mass shooting at the Route 91 Harvest Music Festival in Las Vegas. This is the start of an 18-month process and you have until September 30th to submit your ideas. There are other ways to get involved in the process and share your expertise as well. Find out all the details and submission requirements at clarkcountynv.gov slash one October memorial. That's clarkcountynv.gov slash the number one October memorial. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.